so this morning, how many people here have been following the Olympics, watching the Olympics? Anybody? A few of you? Like eight of you. That's unfortunate. People should be ashamed of yourselves. Uh, the Olympics are on right now, and I love the Olympics. Nobody in my house will watch the Olympics with me. It's just me all alone, sad on my couch. You can feel bad for me. But when the Olympics are on, I want, I, there's not enough hours in the day. I want to watch Olympics. If you have not been following the Olympics this year, though, there's been a trend, and it's crazy. Uh, the skateboarding Olympic gold medalist was a little girl by the name of Momiji Nishaya, and she is 13 years old. 13 years old, won the gold medal in the Olympic streetboard uh, skateboarding. It was the first year they had it. And on the podium next to her were two other teenagers, 14 and, and something else. A Brazilian and another Japanese gal had won the Olympic medals. 13 years old. Can you imagine a 13-year-old winning an Olympic gold medal? Can you imagine your 13-year-old winning an Olympic gold medal, right? Not so much. Last night, I was watching uh, diving. If you, didn't, if you haven't seen diving, there was a 14-year-old little Chinese girl who was in the diving competition on the platform up there. Her name was Quan Hong Chen, and she, won the, she went into the finals, and in the first two dives of the finals, she hit every score was a 10, seven 10s, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. On the third dive, she didn't need much to win the gold medal, but on the third dive, she got six tens and one 9.5. What's up with that guy? Can I just say? The announcer basically said, he said, hey, you are watching something. You may never see anything like it again. She is 14 years old. 14 years old, won the gold medal, shattered the Olympic record. She dedicated her victory to her ill mother. Her mom is sick and at home. And this is what she said. The Associated Press said, I want to make enough money to support her. That's what she said through an interpreter. I don't know about you. I can't get my kids to even take out the trash. So... I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but these young kids are doing this. Here, I'm going to show you a couple of more. You guys want to have some Olympic moments here? So these are the American Olympic moments, and let me just show you up on the screen here. If you haven't caught this, the, there was a 17-year-old Olympic Incredible girl from Alaska, Lydia Jacoby is her name, and Lydia is 17 from the state of Alaska. They only have one 50-meter pole anywhere in Alaska, and in the 100-meter breaststroke, she brought it home out of nowhere and out-touched for the gold medal right there, Lydia Jacoba, 17 years old from Alaska. Um, my favorite part about this is, though, you see her, she's totally shocked that she won. And the supporters are My favorite part about this is, though, is they're going to, in just a second, show a reaction shot. And the reaction shot is from her hometown, where they've all gathered in the railroad station, and they're watching. Watch these high school kids go nuts. Look at that, man. They're like, Lydia! She's had next to be a geometry! Lydia! Like, it's awesome. And then her parents, watch her parents. Look at this. Can you imagine so watching your kid win an Olympic right gold medal? By the way, parents, everyone. if you're taking Just video, never with the full-size iPad, okay? That's awkward for everybody. No one should be. You can use your phone, never the full-size iPad, okay? But can you imagine, like, watching your kid bring home a gold medal? Now, the one that I think most of us know about, she sort of won our heart and our, our soul this Olympics, is an 18-year-old kid. Her name is Suni Lee. And Suni Lee won the all-around gold medal in women's gymnastics, right? If you don't, this is her family watching. 
at a watch party back in uh, Minnesota, all of her family and community, she's from among community, and, and they're all watching as she finishes the floor exercise. This is the moment that she's going to If you don't know the story, no Simone Biles, the who is like 24, they call her the grandmother of the Olympics team. She, she bowed out for some reason, and Suni stepped up and ended up winning the gold medal, which I think winning the gold medal is the worst now in gymnastics Andrade. because you have to wait for the next person to go and hope they mess up. Oh, that's too oh, bad. She stepped out of, out of bounds. That's unfortunate. I'm so sorry for her. But if you get just enough mistakes, you're like, oh, oh, that's too bad. Another Guess who wins the gold medal, right? And so Another she ends up winning point. the gold medal for the all-around Olympic competition, and her family is watching for a home. And it, and it's this awesome it's moment for this 18-year-old kid who really didn't spot. think she was going to medal, she and yet she wins the gold medal. The Olympic but gold what medal. we forget about all these kids is There's her family going nuts as she actually wins the gold medal. This is just a regular kid. This is a regular kid who grew up in a home. She's what does it taste like? Sitting there Sweet. eating Sweet mango. fruit with Sweet her family. <laughs> yeah, she, I told you. She grew up that My way. Dad. Goes Nothing to my competition regular with me, kid. and he's always the one that gives me my pep talk before I go, and he helps to kind of motivate me. With a regular me. dad? He's helped me through everything. And this regular dad doing backflips in the pool with his daughter. They weren't well off. I built her a beam. He ended up building her four. a balance beam in she the front yard with two by fours so she could practice. The yard Just a regular dad trying to encourage his kid in something that she loved. She Look was how like cute six months old, and you Look how cute that little kid is. Cute little skinny. kid going to gymnastics practice. And show, like, Dad and mom taking her to gymnastics kid. practice. Denise, she would rather go to practice have no idea that she's really going to end up being kids. good enough to even I mean, get to the Olympics. Kind of uh, much less win a gold medal. We're working on they talk about her coach and handspring. Accident. I mean, it was a really she's nice doing these spin. things, and they can so, tell you know, she's got athletic ability. Size, strength to body weight ratio. But that may not be enough. It just kind of popped off the page. You know, that kid's going to be good. She loves the sport. You know, she had a goal that she wanted to reach, and she's been uh, working towards that. That was always a dream. I think her dad always talked to her about making the Olympics someday. Can you imagine being the parent of an Olympic gold medalist? Can you imagine what that would feel like as a parent? All that time, all that investment, and it all pays off, and your kid hoists the gold medal, and as they're standing on the podium, and the anthem starts to play, one single tear drips down their cheek. Can you imagine how proud you would feel in that moment? I want you to imagine that for just a second. We all want our kids to be successful, don't we? Don't we want our kids to succeed at whatever they try for? But here's the question, what does that mean for our kids? What, what does it mean for our grandkids? What is the most important thing at your house? If you think about it at your house, what is the most important thing? Is it, is it piano lessons? Gymnastics? Is it AP classes? Boy, you better get a good grade on that AP class. Is it ballet or soccer or homework or football, baseball, basketball? Is it drama? Is it cheerleading? Because here's the truth, everything we do and everything we say, they are all communicating what matters. Everything we do and everything we say communicates what matters to our kids. The things we pay for, the things we schedule, 
The things we prioritize, we are literally telling them what's important, what matters. So the question is, what matters most to your family? Let me ask you a multiple choice question. I got a quiz for you. Multiple choice question. This should be easy. Ready? Here we go. When your son or daughter leaves home someday, which one of the following would you want most for them? A, to be successful academically. B, to be successful athletically. C, to be successful socially. Or D, to be a person of biblical faith and Christ-like character. Or E, all of the above. What's your answer? E, yeah, whatever. I'm not giving you E. You can't have E. What if I take E off of the table? What's it supposed to be? Well, I know we're in church, Steve. It's supposed to be D. I know the answer. Yeah, I know the answer too. Let me reframe the question. Check this out. Which of the following parenting issues gets the best of your time, effort, money, and planning? Is it A, academics? Is it B, athletics? Is it C, social life? Or is it D, faith and character development? Ouch, right? Does that question hurt a little bit? It hurts me. It hurts me looking back at my parenting. It hurts the way that I look at those things. Um, I struggle with that. What, I know what the answer should have been. But it wasn't always that answer, right? It wasn't always that way. Most of the time, that thing that's at the bottom of the list should have been at the top of the list and wasn't always at the top of the list for us. Imagine my kids all grow up and they are all smart and athletic and popular and hardworking and it would seem they'd be poised for success in every area of their life. But what if my kids didn't love God? What if they... Um, didn't know that God had a purpose for them and were stepping into that purpose? What if they chucked their faith altogether? What if they walked away from God? Can I ask you a question? Would you want to do your parenting differently? I think I'd want to do over if that happened. The thing that matters the most, the thing that matters absolutely the most in this world, the only thing that lasts for eternity, the one thing we need to give our kids is faith. That's the one thing we need to give them. Listen to the psalmist. If you've got your outlines, grab your outlines, take a look on there. uh, We've got the scriptures for you there. Love for you to read along with me. In verse five in Psalm 78 says, for he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to what? Teach them. Teach them to who? Teach them to their children. So that the what? Next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will what? They'll teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So here's the question. If this is what matters most, is this what we're actually valuing most? Is this what we're actually talking to our kids the most about? Are we communicating to the next generation what matters most? This important relationship with God and and, and what that looks like. Or do we just take them to church? Well, I take them to church. We have to talk about this stuff with our kids. It's what matters most. Let's look at what matters most. What matters most is what we talk about. What matters most is what we talk about. Do you know that you naturally talk about what matters most to you? Do you know this? 
If you are in an environment where you are meeting people for the first time, you will naturally start talking about what matters to you most. The first lull in the conversation and somebody will say something like, hey, so you hear about the Giants game last night? Or, hey, I got this classic hot rod in the garage. Let me tell you about it. Or, or I, I love it. You know, whatever it is that you care about the most, you will naturally start talking about because that's what, that's what happens. The first law in the conversation, people will tell you what they matter. Some people, you can't get to shut up about what they ma- matters most to them. You know what I'm talking about? No matter what it is, they just won't shut up about it. And you're like, so the question is, what should we be talking about? If this is what matters most, wh- why aren't we talking about it? The most important thing. What is the most important thing we should talk about it? Jesus himself answered this question. In Matthew chapter 22, it says this. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the what? Most important commandment in the law of Moses. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your what? And with all your, and with all your, And this is the first and greatest commandment. So the thing that we need to be talking about most is loving God. Are you talking about that you love God? Are you talking about your love for God? Are you talking about the relationship that you have with the God of the universe? Jesus is quoting here directly from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is sort of our anchor text for this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, it says this. Listen, O Israel... The Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your, what is it? Heart and all your soul and all your. So if God calls us to just one thing, the one thing that matters most, it's loving God. And God answers this question of the most important thing in life. The reason you and I were created was to worship God. The philosopher Blaise Pascal is quoted as, he illustrated this need for God like this. He said that every person is created with a God-shaped hole or a vacuum in them. It's God-shaped, this hole or vacuum in our hearts. Nothing else can satisfy us. We try to fill that hole with all sorts of things, right? We, we do. We fill it with anything we can find. Success, material things. We try to fill it with human relationships, with power or position or sex or drugs or you name it, but everybody walks away feeling unfulfilled because the only thing that will fill that hole is God himself. Let me ask you a question. After those Olympic teenagers get home, right, they get home and they've won the Olympic gold and they've got their little gold medal and they've gone on Good Morning America and they've done their interview and they come home and they bring their Olympic gold medal home and then eventually they walk into their room and they sit on their bed and they think, now what? Right? Now what? The truth of the matter is that gold medal isn't going to fill that hole in their heart. That hole can only be filled by God. The only thing that can fulfill us. But here's what we do as parents. We spend, and grandparents, we spend a lot of time talking to our kids about things that won't fill that hole in their heart. We get very excited and get them to chase after other things that will never fill their heart. Listen, what matters most is what we repeat. What matters most is the things that we repeat. How do you communicate to your kids that loving God is the most important thing? Listen to what it says here as Deuteronomy continues. It says this. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. What are we supposed to do? 
Repeat them. How often? Again and again to your children. Talk about when you are where? At home, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, and when you are... Get this. It says, commit these things wholeheartedly and repeat them again and again. You know what this says to me? And, and uh, this, is, this is tough, but it's true. God's primary plan for evangelism and discipleship is from parent to child. God's primary plan, I'm going to say it again, God's primary plan for evangelism and discipleship is from parent to child. Let me ask you a question. Why did God give you your kids? Why do you think God gave you your kids? I know some of you are like, to test me. I know, I get it. Like, I'm there too. But why did he really give you those things? He gave them so that you might lead them to know, love, and serve God. That, that's the primary, most important thing that we do as parents is to lead them to know, love, and serve God. That's the parent of, that's the purpose of parenting, the purpose of grandparenting, the purpose of your family is to lead them to know, love, and serve God. And that we would imprint that on their heart, a relationship with this timeless God. Imagine your kids inherited a disease from you. Imagine that they inherited this disease from you and it, it is a terminal disease. You'd do everything in your power to help them, wouldn't you? You'd do everything. Let me give you another example. Dave Ramsey uses this example in his Financial Peace University. He's talking about saving money. He will say to his classes, hey, you guys need to save money. And they're like, yeah, right, Dave. And he says, how many of you could save $10,000 cash next month? How many of you could save $10,000 cash next month? And very few people could do it, so they would all, most of them would be like, no, there's no way. That's impossible. And Dave would reframe the question like this. He'd say, okay, let me do it to you this way. Now imagine your kid has a disease. And the disease is treatable, but it's terminal if it's not treated. So you need this treatment. And imagine that this treatment, this surgery could be done for $10,000 in cash, but it has to be in cash. There's no credit card. There's no payment plan. There's no health insurance. It has to be $10,000 in cash, and you need it by next month. Now, let me ask you the question again. How many of you could save $10,000 cash in a month? You could do it, couldn't you? You know what you'd do? You'd not pay rent. You'd not pay your car payment. You'd eat ramen like when we were in college. You remember what I'm talking about? It'd just be ramen and beans and rice. That's what we would do because anything is worth saving our kid, right? You get a second or a third job. Some of you are like, wait, it depends. Which kid, Steve? No, I, I, I know. But here's the thing. We would do it. Get this. This is not a hypothetical. Your children, they have a disease. It's called sin. It was handed down to them by you. And they have this sin nature, and if it goes untreated and it's uncurable, if if it doesn't get treated, they will spend eternity separated from God. Wouldn't you do anything to prevent that from happening? You'd do anything. And let me tell you, if your kids don't come to know God, if we don't lead our children to know and love God, the statistics get ugly. The statistics say that only about 10% of all Christians in the United States become believers after the age of 18. It is super important that we do this with our kids while they're young. So how do we do this, Steve? What what does it look like? How do we bring these kids along so that they understand and know and love God? Well, the first answer, the simple answer is you got to talk to them. Talk to them about it. You talk to them, not at them. You know what I'm talking about? 
you got to talk to them and, and engage in conversation with them. And we see God's super secret strategy for this is that we talk to them in four God-given, kind of God-filled moments that God gives us four times during the day as prime opportunities to reach our kids. Here's the first one. When you are at home. When you're at home. Now, this, you know, when everyone's just sitting around. When... When there's nothing to do and it's a lazy afternoon and everybody's just home and nobody's doing anything. How many people have that situation in their house? No, we don't. No, most of us don't have that situation, right? We're busy. We're going from one thing to another. We're trying to keep up with activities and everything else, right? That's exactly true for most of us. Very few families are sitting home anymore. Let me give you an example from my life when my kids were growing up. As a pastor, I was out consistently at least three nights a week. Three nights a week, I was out doing something ministry related. And so I would be gone three nights a week. I'll give you another little window into a pastor's soul. Weekends are gone. Weekends are gone. I'm busy on the weekend. I work on, I'm working here, people. I'm working here. Uh, you know, they're gone. And so I didn't get to go camping with my kids. I didn't get to do any of that stuff. So I was gone a lot of that time. I get what we're talking about here. And even when I was home during the week, we used to fill the week with, well, there was piano lessons for one of them. There was, uh, there was youth group. We had to get them to youth group. There was homework. There was a social. They wanted to meet up with their friends. There's all that kind of stuff that goes on and on and on again. And, and we just don't, we weren't sitting around the house too often together just hanging out. Heck, my kids are in their 20s now. I'm lucky if I get a text message out of them. You know what I'm saying? Whenever we're all home together, it's like, what kind of freak of nature thing is happening here? But the truth of the matter is, how do we make time for that? How do you make time for time at home? The truth of the matter is, you have to make the time. You have to make time. You have to say no to some things if you're going to say yes to spending some time at home with your kids. Listen, if you get up early and go to work before the kids are even up and out of the house, and then you come home late and the kids are already in bed, you know what? You're never going to spend time with your kids at home. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get to sit with them at home. Here's the brutal question, and it's brutal. Is the schedule we've chosen for our families causing us to miss what matters most? Is the schedule we've chosen for our... Nobody's making you do your schedule. Do you know that? You schedule your schedule. Nobody's making you do those things. But the truth of the matter is, is we've talked ourselves into doing a bunch of things that don't matter as much. Work, sports, activities, academics. We're all running around trying to fill the God-shaped hole inside of us. Right? Let me give you another time when you get an opportunity with this. Ready? It's when you are on the road. On the road. Um, in the ancient world, if you needed to go somewhere, you walked. And so you had to walk together as a family. And they would walk together a lot and to a lot of places. And you know what walking takes? A long time to get to those places. So they had this time along the road where they would be walking with their family. And they'd have an opportunity to talk about what matters and what's going on. And they would talk about their faith and they would talk about their lives and do all that kind of stuff. We don't walk anymore. What do we have? The car. The car is a beautiful place to impact your kids. You want to know why? They can't get out of the car. You have to stop and unlock the door for them to get out. Like, you got them where you want them, if you know what I mean. And so the question is, I mean, we are taking them to soccer practice. We're taking them to their friend's house, to Walmart. How can we use that time? Well, the first thing is, is if your kids are little, you have got to take the iPad away from your kids. 
I'm sorry, I'm just being... You don't have to do it the whole time, I get it. But you need some time where you take the... If you have teenagers, you have got to pull the AirPods out of their ears. Does that make sense? Like, you've got to do that if you want some impactful time with your kids in the car. And what do you do during that time? Well, you might just read a verse together. Hey, this morning I was looking at version, and the verse of the day is this. What does that verse mean to you? It doesn't have to be like an hour or half hour devotion. It could just be a, a simple question. You could have some thought-provoking question that you, that you unpack with your kids. I had one of my daughters, um, who, well, I'll name her, then I'll pay her for it. Uh, Hannah, one of my daughters, was, uh, yeah, see, they get $5 whenever they get used in an illustration in a sermon, so they love it. Hannah, one day while we were driving somewhere, I don't remember where we were, she basically said to me, she goes, hey, Dad, so uh, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, of course. She said, Dad, so I know Satan was like an angel, and then he left God, and now he's like bad, really bad. But, Dad, if Satan said he was sorry, would God forgive him? And I went, would... Um, (laughs) See, because I, I don't think it would go that way, but... I don't know. I, I just don't. You know what I mean? Like, I got no idea how to answer that question theologically. I'm, I, yeah, I would like to believe God's a forgiving God, so he should. But I, was, I, I don't know the answer. Like, that's a great moment to, 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 to figure out who God is and to talk about this relationship with God that I'm like, I hope he explains it to me someday. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's how it works. You, you, you might also think about what's coming out of the speakers of your car. This is another opportunity. Instead of the AirPods, twist the speakers on your car. When we were growing up, um, we would listen to on the radio, K-Love or Air One. And there was nothing better than my kids singing along to these worship songs. Like singing these songs that are like totally like the music that we sing here. And you're like, and they're just belting it out in the back of the car, right? And, And they know that these words have eternal meaning. By the way, if you're under the age of 30, a radio is a thing in your car that would play music over the air. Never mind. It's like Wi-Fi, but different. Okay. Uh, so that's what it is. And, and we just used to have that. Think about the playlist that's in your car. Let me give you another one. When you wake up. When you wake up in the a.m. Where's my morning people? Can you get an amen out of you? Yes, he's so weak. 11 o'clock service, right? You're like, yeah, don't bother me. Let me get up on my time. My wife hates me in the morning. Can I just tell you? She's like, you have got to get out of my sight right now for a little while. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. Uh, when you get up in the morning, what's, what's the best way to turn your kids and their attention towards God or towards faith? What can you do about that? How can you make those first moments the day where you turn your attention toward God? How about when you go to bed? When you go to bed, where are my night owls? Yeah, 11 o'clock service, night owls, yeah, we're up late. That's why we're here late, gotcha, I know. Um, The first few moments of the day and even the last few moments of the day are powerful times to teach your kids faith. And you gotta repeat these things again and again and again. In fact, when I would drop my kids off for school, I haven't prepped them for this at all, but I would say the same thing to them every day as I dropped them off for school and they knew what to answer back. What would I say to you? Change the world? Don't let the world change you. Every day. Repeat it every day. First thing before they walked into school, they knew. Don't let the world change you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You change the world out there. 
This, you get this opportunity in the morning and you get it in the evening, right? And, and I'm going to give you the, uh, a really tangible thing that you can start doing with your family. It's the ancient practice of speaking a blessing on your kids. Speaking a blessing on your kids. A blessing is a prayer of encouragement for your son or daughter, for your kids. It's a statement spoken both to them and to God at the same time. And there's a great blessing that is straight out of Scripture in Numbers chapter 6. Again, my kids will know this by heart because they heard it again and again when they went to bed. And I would pray this over them. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. I used to put my hand on their forehead while I would do it. Sometimes I would push their head down into the pillow while I did it. Uh, I would be like, may the Lord bless you. You know what you did today. Uh, you know. Um, so, but I would pray this prayer blessing upon them. And what if you did that? What if every morning when you woke up your kid, instead of like arguing with them or, or trying to, you got to get up, whatever. What if instead you put your hand on them and you said, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May it show you his favor and give you his peace. Isn't that a better way to wake up in the morning, don't you think? Like, like what if at the end of the night, every night before your kids went to bed, you went into their room and you put your hand on them and you said, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Instead of, I don't know how it is at your house, but the way it used to be at my house is, quiet down in there! And anybody else, like you, 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 you quiet down in there. Do not make me, I will come in there. Do not make me come in there. I am coming in there if you do not quiet down. Listen, you will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know. That's how it was at my house. I don't know how it worked at yours. Instead, what if you said, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Wouldn't that be nice? By the way, there's no age limit to this. You can do it at 7. You can do it at 17, 27, whatever you need to do. Uh, But you can do that. And let me tell you this. Time and energy spent blessing your kids is never, ever wasted. It's never wasted. Let me tell you what matters most. What matters most is what we prioritize. What we prioritize. Last couple of verses here in Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as what? Reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's going to stimulate these conversations? How are you going to remember to do this? Because honestly, we all get lost in that. Um, These conversations could literally change your kids' lives forever. Moses tells us, hey, you need some reminders, man. That's the only way you're going to do this. Something that will remind us in those God-filled moments to focus our conversation on God. So here's the thing. You got to create some reminders in your world. Somewhere you got to create reminders to do this. Maybe you leave a little devotional book in your car so that when you're driving the kids to school or soccer practice or whatever, you grab it, you pull it out, you hand it to your kid who hopefully can read, and you say to him, hey, read today's date or whatever, page 11 or whatever it is, and they read a very short devotional and you talk about it. Maybe that, maybe that gets it started. Maybe you have to literally schedule some time together. 
You need to schedule this time to be together at home. You're going to clear your calendar one night a week. As our kids have gotten older into their 20s, we have done all we can to make Sunday night a family night where people try to take off work and come and be together for at least a little while. And so that you may need to schedule that with your family. What day of the week? You can literally put in your day planner, go home, go home, go home. You go home now. It's time, you know, you put it and you get the reminder and you're like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to go home. I'm supposed to be at home tonight. Um, you can do that. Talk to the kids and talk about what it is like to walk with God, what it is to love God. Maybe you need to put a sign up in the kids' room. You, I'm sure you can probably find that blessing at Hobby Lobby. Put the plaque up in their room, right? May the Lord bless you and protect you. I don't even get a kickback from Hobby Lobby for that. You can go there and buy it. Put it up in their room, and then when you walk in, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to bless my kids. May the Lord bless you. And then it's a cheat sheet right there. May the Lord bless you and protect you. I'll memorize it at some point. Um, but, but you can do that as a reminder in your kid's room, and you walk into their room every morning or every night and speak a blessing into their lives. Which leads me to... So what, Steve? How do we live this out? Man, um, here comes the butt kicking. I don't know if it's good for you, but I wish my kids are right there. They will tell you. I wish I could tell you I did these things flawlessly and consistently and everything was perfect along the way. They know it's not true. I was inconsistent. I tried and we had some practices that made some difference along the way, but I was totally inconsistent with this along the way. And if you want to make this a habit in your house, you've got to find a way to seize those God-filled moments. I'm still trying to find ways to do it now with my kids at the age they're at, adult kids. But get this, because this is true. Your family matters to God, and you have got to make the effort. Do you know that we make the effort towards the things that are most important to us? You absolutely make the effort to the things that are most important to you. Psalm 103 says this. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to who? The children's children. Generation to generation of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commands. Here's the problem. Many church families, many Christian families believe, they, they, they grow up believing that it's the church's responsibility to bring their children up in faith. I mean, we send them to Sunday school. I mean, they go to Sunday school. They went to VBS this year. I mean, we take them to youth group. I sent them on that, that summer camp at Hume Lake. Like, like isn't that enough? And the answer, we, we send them to Christian school, isn't that enough? The answer is no, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's got to be our responsibility. It's got to be our thing. We have got to do it. I want to say it one more time. God's primary plan for evangelism and discipleship is from parent to child, grandparent to child, within the family. Throughout the centuries, throughout the history of Christianity, the primary place where training children in their faith happened was in a parent-centered, home-centered environment. How do we do this? Well, let me give you some simple things. Ready? Number one, you got to decide to do it. Here's the question. Are you in or are you out? Are you going to walk out of here and decide where to go to lunch and not think about this again? Or are you going to decide right now that you're in? Do you really believe that this is important for your kids, your grandkids? You have to make a commitment to do it. You have to decide you're going to do it. And the harsh truth is we make time for the things we value the most. We make time for the things we value the most. 
Are you going to value this? We consistently do what matters the most to us. And then you got to plan it. You got to pick a time to do this. You got to decide when you're going to do it. Listen, be reasonable. If you've never done anything like this before in your family, you are not going to say, well, starting tomorrow, we're going to do this five days a week. You're not going to do it five days a week. Let me tell you right now, you're not going to make it happen five days a week. It might be once a week, maybe twice a month or something like that, but you have got to write it on your calendar if you're going to do this. You got to put it on your calendar. Go ahead, I'll wait. You can put it on your calendar and say, I'm going to make time for this. And then you're going to read the Bible together just a little bit. This isn't an hour-long devotion. You're going to pray together. Ask kids, what do they want to pray for? Do you want to know the most heartfelt and pure prayer requests come from little kids? They have the most pure prayer requests. And you say, yes, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for little Timmy's boo-boo or whatever it is. And, And you're going to do that. If, if you've got a kid that has some musical ability, let them play some music and play some music as a family. If, if your family's musical ability extends to, hey, let me show you this track on Spotify, play a track on Spotify or, or share a track on Spotify and ask, what, is this, what does this song mean to you or, or, or whatever. Like, do something along those lines. Talk about the lyrics. Ask them, what, what worship song do you like? We have these at-home resources here in our church. If you go into the lobby and hang a right right there, there's a big thing with giant printed materials. They're printed materials by age. They're printed materials by like holidays in the year, seasons, and, and all this stuff. It's right there for the taking. If you grab one of those and throw it in your car and decide, I'm going to do it on the road, you can have some spiritual conversations with your kids on the road. Maybe once a month you partner with another family. You call up some other family and you say, hey, let's get the families together. And you get the families together and you, your kids play together and maybe you, you plan a simple, easy meal with the other family. And then for just 15 minutes, we're going to stop and talk about some Bible story or, or some God-sized principle. And we're going to talk about what that means with our two families. And when we're done, the kids will go play together some more. Mom and dads will have some adult conversation time. Like that's what it takes. And then get this. Don't quit. You can never quit on this stuff. Even at this age and stage, I'm trying to find ways to get my kids to understand how important it is to have a relationship with God. Because I guarantee you, if you make this a priority in your hand, it won't be easy. You'll have it. It's going to bomb at some point. At some point, your kids are going to say exactly this. This is lame, Dad. That's what they're going to say. They're going to go, I don't like this. I don't want to do it. And, and you're going to go, okay, well, I understand. It's just going to take a few minutes. Let's, let's talk about this. You've got to keep after it. You've got to try, because this is the honest to God truth. We have a spiritual enemy who will do anything to tear apart your family and lead your kids away from faith. We have a spiritual enemy that wants nothing more than to destroy your family and take your kids and pull them away from faith. And he is at work in our world, and we cannot give up if this is the most important thing. We have got to be vigilant about it. We are not going to quit. We're just not going to quit. Listen, if you're doing this even just a little bit, you're among the elite Christian families that are trying to do some of this stuff. You know, when I started this message, I was talking about what it would feel like to have your kid hoist the gold medal. Can you imagine as a parent what that would feel like to have your kid hoist the gold medal and to stand on that platform? What would that feel like? Let me ask you, will we feel the same when our kid on the edge of their bed says, Mommy, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Will we feel the same when our kid says to us, Dad, I think I'm ready. I want to get baptized. Or, 
Mom and Dad, I, I'm, I've really been thinking about this mission trip, and I want to go on this mission trip to Honduras or, or to Mexico or, or maybe to this camp for handicapped kids in Missouri. Are we going to feel that same level of pride when we see our kids with their kids teaching them about Jesus? Because that's what it's all about, generation to generation. Let me show you. I'm just going to read for you to wind up this morning, Psalm 128. This is the whole thing of Psalm 128. I want to show you what it can lead to. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruits of your labor. How what? Joyful and what else? Prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. I don't know why that just is cool to me. Vigorous young olive trees. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. And get this last verse. May you live to enjoy your what? Grandchildren. And may Israel have peace. Hey, would you just pray with me? God, our families, you planted us in a family, God. And you gave us these families where we get to work out our faith, Father, the most important, the thing that matters most to me is those kids and that wife and even my parents. God, I I pray that in this environment we would be able to work out our faith, that we would be reminded that it matters most, more than work. God, I know so many of us have put so much time and effort into our workplace, and I know if, if we were to retire or, 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 or leave that they would replace us in a week but our families can never replace us God let us be trumpets for truth let us be a mouthpiece for salvation God let us remind them and live for them that we would live out this relationship with you and that we would be reminding them constantly and reminding ourselves how much you love us in your son Jesus' name Amen.